it's good to be here um, on this kind of rainy, kind of cold Sunday morning. Uh, I just want to pray first for our class and for our day. Um, Father, I just thank you so much for um, all that you're doing in our house and in, in um, our lives. And um, as we are in this uh, season of giving and um, just celebration of of uh the birth of Jesus and all that Jesus is to us. Father, I just ask that you would bless each individual here today and that um, you would just speak through me and the words that you are um, wanting spoken forth, Lord. And um, I just ask that they, the words would be a blessing to um, all and um, I see things in your name. Amen. Okay. How many of you have read the Charles Dickens book, Great Expectations, and had to read it to school? <laughs> I did, many, many years ago. I had to read it in um, um, junior high, and I remember actually not liking it that much. I don't know what it was about it. I read it later on as an adult, too, but it's been still a long time, so I don't remember all of the details of it and stuff, but I was just kind of doing a play on words there with my with my title because I'm going to be teaching on um, expectation, expectancy. So I was just thinking about, and I was looking at some commentary and stuff on um, on the book, Great Expectations, and how um, each of the three parts of, of the novel um, deals with a different expectation for, for Pip. And um, throughout all of that, you kind of watch how the main character changes in the face of changing expectations. And so when I looked at that, I thought, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of a neat thing to um, think about because with, with us, I mean, we, we go through changing expectations and um, things that are expected of us, things that um, we're asking the Lord for and, and um, in anticipation or expectation. But the, the thing that just has really stood out to me over the last few weeks, and I've seen it in and uh, my own life uh, a lot and I was hoping this morning I haven't talked to Les yet about I'm giving a testimony um, I won't give it here but um, something that um, I've been expecting and been in anticipation for for quite some time that is now coming to fruition and it took um, it's been a very big season of prayer and waiting upon him and um, waiting for his perfect timing and w when he wanted this to come about and how it was going to come about. So, um, but I will share that um, as, a, as a testimony hopefully this morning. So, um, but we'll just jump right into the passages here. But um, just know if you're, if there's something that you've been really believing for, and I know I've heard different testimonies over the last few weeks, when people are, um, you know, have said, I've been believing for this, and the Lord has, you know, He has healed me, or He has provided in this way. Um, it's just, it's sometimes it's hard to wait. Sometimes it's hard to really um, stay in His presence and know that if this is something that He wants to bring about, then it will in His perfect timing. And when you see that, it's so glorious because you're just thinking, you know, I... I always want to make sure that everything I do is, you know, in his will and in his timing. 
And then that, when, it come, when that comes about, you, it's almost like, a, oh, well, that, you know, this is finally happening. But then you, you realize, you know, things are, they are in His timing. If that's what you're really believing for and seeking His um, heart for, then those things are going to happen. And so, anyway, I'm very excited about being able to share that testimony later. But again, I'm not going to um, do that right now. But, um, so we're going to start in um, Psalm 62. And what I did, and I'm, you know, I kind of, this is kind of how I study too, is a lot of times I'll do a word study. And y'all probably seen that over the years that I'll kind of hone in on a certain word. And then um, my study kind of goes from there and opens up with um, the other things that the Lord is highlighting to me. But so throughout scripture, I looked at um, this word expectation and, um, and hope. And um, so that's so that's what some of the words you'll see that that I'm focusing on here. So if you look at Psalm 62, 1 through 12, um, David is saying, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you. As a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And I think that's so interesting. You know, he's he's repeating that and he's saying, you know, this that he's my rock. He's my salvation. And my uh, my my expectation, uh, my expectancy is is from him. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once, twice I have heard this that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. And when I looked at that, just that very first verse there, that waiting is waiting in a, in a, in a type of, a tr- of trust, waiting silently, quietly, and in this stillness. So waiting um, upon him, and knowing that our salvation comes from Him, and that in that, in that waiting, we're, we're not going to be moved. If we allow ourselves to completely wait on Him and focus on Him and His timing, we're, we won't be moved. And um, I just looked at different words throughout here just to kind of see how they flow together. And salvation there is, you know, deliverance, aid, um, victory, prosperity, and of course we know the rock is is refuge. 
and that <clears throat> being moved is that we're not going to waver. We're not going to be, you know, um, thrown about, you know, to and fro, um, and that um, he shall not he shall not be greatly or abundantly moved. His soul only waits upon Elohim. And that expectation there, and I'm still trying to, I've, I've looked at this a lot, and so there, if, you know, anybody kind of sees something in this, but that word um, is um, tikval, that ex- word expectation. And it's from a word kaval, which literally means a cord as an attachment but it's also something that you hope for, you live for, and you long for. I mean, is that not what we what we do every day? I mean, we're really hoping in Him, we're living for Him, we're longing for an expectation for for Him to move in our lives, for for Him to move in our earth. And um, but that cord there as an attachment, <clears throat> I kind of saw that as um, there is this kind of connection there between our expectation in Him and um, that waiting upon Him. But I, I don't know, I just thought that was, that was you know, kind of interesting, that being um, an accord, accord as an attachment there. And then um, also moving down a little bit further, you know, it talks about the men of low degree or vanity and uh, men of high degree or lie to be laid in the balance. So I'm looking at, you know, that's kind of the visualization of a set of scales that they're altogether lighter than vanity. <clears throat> and then that last part there in that verse talks about how, how God has spoken once and then I shamad. Um, twice I have heard this, that power belongeth unto God. So, you know, you get this impression there that David has heard this more than one time and that he is, um, he's, he's hearing it, he's getting it, you know, that power does belong to our God. And um, he said that, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. And when we give up all of ourselves to him and we know and to his to know his will and his wisdom and his providence and when we wait in patient expectation patience that's kind of hard i mean when we're when we're waiting upon the lord and we're we're we have this expectation and we in anticipation of what he's going to do sometimes it's hard to be patient it is i mean you'll um you don't want to throw in the towel and say, okay, well, you know, nothing's happened at this point, so I'm not going to continue anticipating. But when we have that mindset that we're going to um, continue seeking him and everything in our lives because, <coughs> excuse me, it's so important. We want to make sure that we're in God's will always for whatever we're seeking him for um, in our daily lives. And so it's important to be in that patient expectation and we're going to see his goodness in that. We're going to see his tobe. It's um, right now. I mean, I, I I truly see the goodness of God in what in what He's doing in my own life and what He's doing in the lives of others by just waiting upon Him. He alone is our rock and He's our salvation. When we acknowledge, like David does here, that power belongs to God, and we lay our wants down, and we just submit our um, selves wholly to his will 
we are pouring out our hearts for his will and his purpose for our lives. If y'all have anything at all to um, bring up along the way, feel free to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You take it. No, I was just going to say, I think it's interesting that throughout this whole song, he, he addresses Elohim until the very last passage in, in verse 12. And, you know, to, to recognize that it is God's heart for us to um, prosper in him and to, to, um, to wait with him in that place of intimacy and commune and how important that is. But then he ends with, you know, O Yahweh, unto thee, O Yahweh, belongs mercy, which we know what that means too, and, and, um, and then he renders to every man according to his work. His, his plan will be fulfilled according to his, his purpose, but the, the Elohim part is just so significant. Because so often we think, and it's true. I mean, it, it's all about his plan. It's all about we are in his plan, and we surrender to that plan, no matter what it looks like, no matter how hard it is, no matter how patience, how much patience is worked, and and um, how long the waiting is. When we trust in his plan, we know that it will ultimately be fulfilled in our lives. But I just love how he really addresses the heart of God in the midst of that. Because <coughs> if we didn't have that. Can you imagine? <laughs> Go ahead, Pastor. I uh, was just looking at, at your request. Uh, this word, it's tikwa from Kwabe. Um, we've looked at this in the past, and, and it's wonderful the way the Lord revisits things. And uh, the line upon line can expand it, uh, interpretation of them. But as I was looking through, uh, quickly two really scholastic uh, uh, lexicon deals. They said <coughs> that this word, <coughs> the focus on this word is more about how the cord is made. And, and it was like a, like today, like if we, if we said like Kleenex, everybody knows what that means, but it's a specific brand, you know, even though it's everywhere else, or Coke down here, and I was always amazed when we moved down here, we used to call soft drink pop, but down here, everything was a Coke. You want a Coke? <laughs> what kind do you want? And so that brand was was what that was. So the, the, the reason I'm saying that is that the emphasis of this word for cord, which is hope, you know, what it does, but the root of it really means how the cord was made. And it, it was the intertwining of a lot of different smaller uh, fabrics to make that string, like a threefold cord kind of a thing. Mm. And so the essence of this word when I was reading was more about how the thing was made and the strength that resulted and the application of it being hope or whatever is is what we read about. But for these linguists, it was the meticulous <coughs> taking the time to make sure that 
afford was what it was. And so you're talking about Elohim, you're talking about our time spent, and where our New Testament idea of hope is that it's formed in the heart of God and it's the seed of faith. And and but but that really is indicated here. Another one of these guys that was more from a a Jewish uh, base was extending that most of these cords were they were they were so precious they were like family heirlooms in in the home but they were red and um, that red was the, the base color so that people could know this isn't just some regular piece of twine or whatever because there were other things that looked like this that weren't this but the ones that were really of highest quality were made of a red fiber and they said that um, like Rahab the harlot when she draped that down it was red with a tinge of orange now how they knew that I don't know but I think that's very interesting that she put that out there to mark. I don't know if that was the same thing those the spies used to find out, but it was judgment and burning with the process of grace. So I just think I think if you take hope, it's based on the fulfillment of what God wants and the the intended focus of judgment and burning. That God's going to do what He said, and there's going to be function. So. I just thought that was interesting. I, I wouldn't have looked until you said, if anybody can <laughs> study it out. Because, you know, again, you think you know something. So I looked into these two things that I'd never studied this word in, and there that was. So the emphasis of the root of the word was how, how the rope was made in itself. And it was, if something was really going to be an heirloom, something the family held on, or it was used in ceremonial things, it was usually red, and that the Rahab thing with the, the tinge of orange. Again, I don't know how they knew that. Maybe there's some expression in that thing that we don't normally see, that these Jewish scholars can see. Right. I, I just think that's interesting. So, with like Monica was commenting on with the with the embrace of Elohim, our hope is built on that fellowship and that careful meticulous forming of it it's not just something that God gives okay hold on to this rope this hope rope um, <laughs> hope on a rope <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but you make that with God it's, it's you partnering with him and that's the strength of your expectation and rope and like you said you, your testimony that's coming that we're all waiting to hear <laughs> was formed over many, many months and years. And now God is saying, okay, this is what you built with me. Here's the plumb line of it. And I think I think that could also be, you know, our plumb line from heaven with the plumb at the bottom. I wonder, I have to study this. I don't know whether that root is found here where it's not just <coughs> something that God throw me a rope, you know, that old thing <coughs> KT. Dunstall, she's the one that's saying that, throw me a rope. Um, I don't know whether that's a, um, I don't know whether that was formed in this way too, but you know, so often we think, okay, God's just throwing the plumb line down, let's see where it waits. How much is it that we reflect on that? How much of it is that we are 
installing that through our faith and our communion with him. So I'm just rambling here now. Uh, I don't know why I tell people I'm doing that. Everybody knows I'm, I'm already <laughs> delivered the load. This is just the, the aroma still in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, I always write that. So. Red and orange, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't think, I mean, because I, some of the verses I did look at were about Rahab and the scarlet thread, and I did not make that connection necessarily with this one, so that's interesting yeah. that you said that, so. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You're wearing red today, see, there you are. Yes, and I'm wearing red. You've got the hope, the hope. <laughs> didn't plan it that way. Okay, let's see. Okay, so we're going to move to um, Job chapter 7, and um, in, uh, verses 1 through 6 it says, Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth, or not his days also like the days of an hireling? As a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, and as an, hire, as an hireling looking for the reward of his work, so am I made to possess months of vanity, and weary, wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I ri arise and the night be gone? And I am full of tossings to and fro unto the dawning of the day. My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And this, I'm sorry, this, I have laughed so many times when I've read this. I don't know why it's so funny to me, but it is. Uh, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. I remember, I remember that my life is wind, my eyes shall no more see good. The eye of him that has seen me shall see no more. Thine eyes are upon me, and I am not. And as the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. He shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him any more. Therefore I will not refrain my mouth, I will speak in the anguish of my spirit, I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I a sea or a well that, that thou settest a watch over me? When I say my bed shall comfort me and my couch shall ease my complaint, then thou scarest me with dreams and terrifiest me through visions, so that my soul chooseth strangling and death rather than my life. I loathe it, I would not live always. Let me alone for my days are vanity. And so first of all, I want to go back to this um, verse that talks about his days being swifter than a weaver's shuttle. I had no clue what that was talking about. And I just found that interesting. So I went and I did a little, little research on what that was. Um, I mean, obviously I could, you know, figure a weaver, but I did not realize that this was called a shuttle. But if you look at the picture of the diagram I have there, it shows you the part of the loom or whatever that's the shuttle, and I guess that makes it um, the thread or whatever is being used move pretty quickly there. And um, he says that his days are spent without that expectation, without that hope. And I mean, we know that you know Job went through horrible things. I mean, just in this one passage here, we we see that, but. To say that your life is without expectation or without any hope, that is, that to me is such a, um, I can't even imagine us not having that. That, that our hope, that our expectation in him <clears throat> would not be there, that you would be in a point in your, 
in your walk that you would feel that way. But I guess if you had that many things coming against you, that you could probably come to that place and, and you know, really, because he says, basically, I'm not, I'm not keeping my mouth shut. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm complaining here. But to say that, that your days are moving swiftly and are spent without any hope or without any expectation, I think that that's something that we ourselves have to be really um, careful to, to make sure that we are spending every day making our focus upon Him and our expectation in Him for whatever He wants to do on a daily basis, an hourly basis, whatever He's wanting to use us to do on that day to speak <coughs> forth to somebody. Um, you know, you hear people, they make decisions based on just their own feelings and how they feel they, you know, I've seen people over the last few months make some decisions just based on feeling alone and you wonder, are you going to be satisfied with that by making a decision or losing your expectancy or if you even, you know, are trusting in God for that. I mean, even people that I know that, that really you know, believe in God and, and have a walk with Him have come to a point where they're just like, I, you know, I, they, they're spending it without that expectation, that expectancy in Him that He's going to, um, to take care of them and He's going to move on their behalf. And so this was a, it's, it's, to me it's a very sad passage because, you know, where Job was at that point and, um, and feeling like he did not have that. He did not have that hope. He did not have, was not able to um, <coughs> stand in that place of expectation. Well, I think that we can only have that because, you know, the Father imparts that to us. We, I don't think that hope is anything we can generate on our own, which is why, you know, our, when we're waiting upon Elohim, that's why we have it. So what was going on with Job? Did the, did the father really completely remove himself from Job during that testing time? So he really didn't know the outcome. He didn't know he was going to be blessed twice, you know, and all that. I mean, all he, and I don't even know that it was the loss of everything that had him so, I mean, I know that it was upsetting. You, know? yeah. you just lost her. Yeah. You know? I don't know if my flesh was clothed with worms and clods of dust. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, so he's got a huge physical situation going on, but what was he really bereft of? It, maybe it was the presence of the Lord. It was not having that fellowship that he'd once known. Because to me, the only way you have... Having things does not give you expectation. Right. So just because you're wealthy or have all your needs met, that does not bring you that expectation or hope. That only comes from the time we spend with him. So I just have to wonder what I know that God spoke with Job a few times during that interchange or you know the things he was going through but I wonder if it was just the fact that God says okay I'm going to let the enemy do this and I have to remove myself from that situation I mean I know what I have felt without the presence of the Lord I have felt without hope I mean they're, maybe they're momentary they're only a week or it's only a day or it's only an hour but I have felt completely like, oh my God, this is, it's all over. <laughs> because if he's not there, I got nothing. 
So I don't know. I just wonder. Yeah. Is this we? Is this this diagram that you made? Just based on what Pastor you were talking about about the cord. Does this does this machine make the cord? Well, again, Trish studied this, but uh, from what I was just looking at, the shuttle was something that was took. It took the the supply of the yarn, and it was the thing that then spun to fuel this mechanism that mm -hmm. makes the thing. So the shuttle really was that important component to determine, it was like a spool maybe, but it was something a little bit different than spool, the spool. And um, so it would it would spin, but it, it, its main thing was like the distributor. It would distribute whatever the source of the yarn was, like these balls of yarn up at the top, and, and then come in. So. But to me, it's like it's this. This is huh? It's the process. Yeah, it so is. He's and getting I, ahead of the process. And I and I wonder, like, that's what his hope is lost. You know, he he knew he knew how to do this, and his life had been blessed abundantly, which is why God said, "Hey, look at this guy. He's he's doing things the right way." And then the enemy came and attacked that. And he lost everything. So I don't know about that season. What. God was obviously visiting him, but the mechanism of building hope was something that he recognizes, it's not doing me any good right now. What I know how to do with this weaver shuttle, it's spinning, but I'm not creating any hope. I'm not creating any cord of belief because everything is just going screwy here. You see, I see if he says, my days are swifter than a weaver shuttle, to me that says he was getting ahead of the process. Like he... He was, he was going ahead when above, you know, ahead of the process mm -hmm. yeah. of the, the, the process of, I guess you could say it, his expectation or his hope in the Lord, right? Because see, you, what you were talking about, about you've, you've seen people make decisions recently based on a lack of hope. That's what I see. It's like he's, he was going ahead rather right. than resting in the process which was horrible where God had him. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's true. Uh, I, I just think, I, I can't imagine what he must have been feeling. I mean, you read these things that he writes, it's horrible. But obviously he's in a place where nothing that he knew was working. And he knew that God had him in this place, but it was terrible. So. All the processes, the divine processes that brought him as the test case of mankind before the throne and the, in the presence of the enemy, none of that was working. So he says, I see all these days spinning, and I see that I can't do anything about it. My, my understanding of how to build the rope of hope in, in this mechanism, through this yarn that I knew how to make into a rope that was hope, I see it just passing by. I can't do it. I don't know. It, this is just really a, a very interesting verse. And I wonder about some of the things when we're waiting on the Lord, which waiting on the Lord is this word in some of the places too, where you, you bind together the, the three the, the cords. And um, I, when God says, okay, you're, you're waiting now. Uh, it's not just an issue of, okay, this is coming, hold on to it. 
but you don't know what God's doing, and you're just waiting. I mean, it's, this is just so mind-boggling. And, and I, I wonder about these past couple of years. I mean, we've stayed busy and in the work of the Lord, but I, what God's really promised, and I know is we know is promised, we haven't really even begun to see it yet. But you're in this time where you think, well, look at what the enemy's doing. Look what he's doing in our government. Look what he's doing in our nation. Look at, look at the nonsense that's happening throughout the nations. And you, you almost feel like you're in holding at patience of the apostolic. I, I wonder if that's not a factor in this sixth verse. But he, obviously, he's got worms, maggots eating wounds. <laughs> he's got worms. Dirt, no clothes, just dirt. <laughs> That's nasty. Anyway. Well, yeah, Trish, you made it through one page. Yeah, look at that. Well, you're really wobbling Mark now. I can't like, yeah. get to the first page. We're sorry. <laughs> you better be quiet with this woman of God. <laughs> Have some open field running here. Now, this is good. I like. I mean, I, I like when we, when we discuss like this, but... I was looking at this picture again because, I mean, it looks like they're, you know, maybe weaving a rug of some sort. And I was just thinking that if that, if that mechanism, as you were talking about, if it's spinning out of control, I mean, the, complete, the completion of that, the product of that is going to be, I mean, it's going to be out of sorts. It's not going to be completed correctly. It's, it's, I mean, who knows what it would look like, you know but that it's speeding up the process, like you said, of something that really should be moving at a different type of pace that only the Lord can give. Your life may look like it's off the rails. You don't think you have any prospect of victory. But what was the end result of Job's tapestry where he had Seven times more. He had so much better. You don't know. I sound like Joel Osteen. You don't know what God has in store for you. Your life may seem like a mess, but on the great tapestry weave of the Lord, hope is springing forth in ways you don't know. I don't know. And your days may seem swifter than a weaver shuttle. <laughs> I said it in the most country-sounding voice I could say it earlier. <laughs> um, let, me, let me help you with that. <laughs> Do that, friend. Come on, let us hear it. <laughs> okay, so we'll move on here. Let me see something. Okay. All right, so Proverbs 10, 27, 28. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall, shall perish. So, you know, again, there where your expectation is, where your hope is, is definitely important because, um, you know, there with the hope or the expectation, and let me go back to my word there, that expectancy or that cord, that attachment, um, being in the right place is definitely critical there because it's, that's what's going to bring forth the joy, the gladness, but the expectation of the wicked is going to bring destruction and death and going to perish. And then this next verse in Proverbs, the word 
expectation there. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me go back to this. That hope word in Proverbs 10 is um, toketh, toketh left, and it's from the word you call meaning an expectation. So, again, ex expectation. And um, then this next one in Proverbs says, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long, for surely there is an end, and thine expectations shall not be cut off. So, you know, you may see where things are, you know, happening for others that are in no way, um, you know, serving the Lord or that they're, you know, living in sin. But just know that in that waiting, in that timing, um, don't let that be something that causes you to get off track because that expectation um, won't be cut off. It won't come to destruction. It will, it will come to fruition. And then I think I'm trying to look back for just a second. I think all of these that are in this, these passages are the word tikvah, um, with the exception of that word hope there. So in Jeremiah 29:11, one of my favorite verses and passages, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, but to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. you. And you shall seek me and find me when you search, when you shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place where I caused you to be carried away captive. So again, that, that, ex, that expectation that place of, um, of hope, that connectedness with him to um, bring us to that place. And again, just saying, you know, what are the things that you have to do? You have to call upon him. Um, you shall go and pray, you will, and he will hearken unto you. you will, when you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. So that point of pouring out your heart before him is... is so an important component to um, to that expectation, that expectancy. Ezekiel thirty-seven one um, through fourteen, um, we you know this passage very well. But it's the valley of dry bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. Behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon, upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon and will bring up fresh flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone and when I beheld lo the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, 
and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, all my, all my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. And shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in, in your own land. Then shall you know that I am the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, saying the Lord. And so overall in that passage, when I looked back at where it talks about our bones are dried and our hope is lost, we are cut off for our parts. I mean, each step of the way there when the Lord was speaking to Ezekiel and telling him to prophesy, I feel like that is such a process for us that um, as we are in that, that time of you know, expectancy and anticipation in what he's doing, that... You know, there are going to be times he says, you know, this is how you should pray. This is how you need to prophesy. These are the words that you need to speak. These are, you know, the things that you need to do. And we've got to be um, so tuned in to what it is that he's wanting to, us to do. Because to me, this was like very step by step and, you know, do it this way. Um, and so that that hope is not lost, so that expectation is not lost. Okay, Isaiah 21 through 6. This, um, the word expectation in here is mabot, which is, again, something expected, just like it says. In the year that Tardin came unto Ashdod, when Sargon the king of Assyria sent him and fought against Ashdod and took it, at the same time spake the Lord by Isaiah the son of Amos, saying, Go and loose the sackcloth from off thy loins, put off thy shoe from thy foot. And he did so, waking naked and barefoot. And the Lord said, Like as my servant Isaiah hath walked naked and barefoot these three years for a sign and wonder upon Egypt and Ethiopia. So shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptians prisoners and the Ethiopians captive, young and old, naked and barefoot, even with their buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. And they shall be afraid and ashamed of Ethiopia, their expectation, and of Egypt, their glory. And the inhabitant of this isle shall say in that day, Behold, such is our expectation, whether we flee for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria, and how shall we escape? Now, I'm not going to say I understand all of this passage here by any means because of this with the, the Egyptians and the Ethiopians, but that, that point of being ashamed there is to, um, to be paled or disappointed or delayed in some way. So let me look back at that verse real quick. Let me find, see if I can find it. It says, and they shall be afraid and ashamed of Ethiopia, their expectation. And then that expecta expectation there, um, yeah, so that was mid -bought. And the glory there is 
tip all which is from Paar, which is an, an ornament. Um, those that make anything other than God their expectation of glory in the place of their expectation of God in His glory will be ashamed of that. Instead of driving us to shame and disappointment, let our expectation in Him be our joy and strength. So I, that's kind of what I glean from that. If anybody has anything more that they see in that, please feel free to share. But I just feel like that, that the focus of where that expectation was was not where it should have been, but rather on God and His glory. Moving on to Luke. So we have a few verses in the New Testament now. Um, Luke 3, 15 through 18. And as the people were in, were in expectation, and that word there is uh, prosdokeo, which is to watch in anticipation or to await. And all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff will he will burn in fire, with fire unquenchable. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. So that word there... Um, Cross-dokeo, again, it means to watch, to anticipate in thought, to hope, or it could be fear, or to um, await. And we have John the Baptist preaching and preparing the way of the Lord, and many were there in great expectation and in anticipation, but they were wondering if John was the Messiah or not. He does point them to Christ so that their expectation is actually in him, in, in you know, in Christ and not in John the Baptist there. But there was that, it's kind of interesting, that anticipation, because I really wanted to know, and, you know, he, of course, was preparing the way of the Lord, so he was always pointing to, um, to Christ and uh, that their expectation, their hope, should be in, in, in Christ. Now, Trish... <clears throat> You go back to your very first passage in Psalm 62 in that first line that says, Truly my soul waits upon God, and from him cometh my salvation. And I'm assuming that salvation there is Yeshua, which is the Messiah, right? The Christ. And, you know, it, it to me, it just, I marvel. And it makes me sad, because you think about how the Jewish population their whole life has been about waiting on him mm -hmm. and 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 their hope was in waiting or watching in anticipation of waiting as John prepared the way for him and yet they didn't accept him and subsequently crucified him which was God's plan the whole time right I mean right. it's just it, to me it's just I, it makes me sad that they're still waiting. Right. Right. I know. It and is. that expectation has not been met when it actually has been. Mm 
So that's a huge digression from what you're talking about, but I no, just that's good. I mean, because that's their that's their hope, their expectation. But it's, I mean, he's here. You know? I know. I mean, you look at the so much of that Old Testament was so focused on Yeshua, and and he came. And he did what the Father ordained him to do for all of us, and yet they, they're still waiting. And I'm sure their hope wanes. But anyway. Yeah, that's good. Good point. All right, we have a few more passages here. Um, Acts 28, 1 through 10, and when they were escaped, then they knew, the, knew that the island was called Melita, and the barbarous uh, people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and re- received us every one because of the present rain and behold, because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance separeth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked, they had this expectation, this anticipation. Uh, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. So they're sitting here watching to see if he's going to swell up, if he's going to fall over dead. But after that, they had looked a great while. So this, you know, who knows how long this um, went on, but they continued in this anticipation to see whether he was going to succumb to that, that bite from the viper. And when they saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief men of the island, whose name was Publius. He, re- he received us and lodged us there three days courteously, and it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with um, such things as were, were necessary. And I just I put on here that the barbarians were looking with a human eye at the, the uh, viper that came from the fire and latched on Paul's hand. And they watched and waited for an extended amount of time to see whether it was going to you know, harm him, affect him in any way. And um, when it didn't happen, they changed their minds and um, about thinking that he was some type of murderer. And as Paul continued to lay hands on and pray for the sick and um, healing occurred, it says that, the word says that they were honored with many honors and were laded, and that is epitome, with necessity. So, um, you know, they're... I don't know that their actually their hope was to see that this was going to happen, but their anticipation or expectation to see what was going to happen to this man of God, um, you know, they they realized after that time of expectation that that was not how things were, and um, you know, begin to believe. So that's you know that's. That's the thing, too, is whenever we're in expectation or an, an expectancy for something um, and things happen or whatever, but you may see that as, okay, well, that's really not, that's not of the Lord. That's not really, um, you know, the way 
or what you should be focusing on, we have to remember to go back to that time of waiting, that time of pouring our hearts out and seeking Him so that we're very clear on what we're seeing and knowing what, how He's leading us. That's kind of interesting, Trish, because the word derivation there um, has to do with a gift or, or a payment of some sort. So expectation in both of these meant to look forward to what you anticipate is coming. It has very little to do with what the Old Testament was where you're building and you're forming this thing. Right. And I think it's interesting too that this next word you're looking for, it's kind of like that former word on steroids. And it literally <laughs> means to stick your neck out as far as you can looking for this thing, which is really weird. It's got the stick in the neck out. And I just think that's cool. That's the one for the, the apo, that, that yeah. word? Kara dakoi. Yeah. It's the kara has to do with the sticking the neck out. Huh. It's, it's interesting. That's neat. I, I didn't see that, so that's cool. Yeah, I, I really like that one because it was like it's like a kind of a building up here, but that intense ex, um, anticipation. So that's part of the reason why I put great expectations because it's, you know, that's our anticipation, our expectation in Him should be great. It should be intense like this. And they also use the word um, earnest expectation in this one, in this passage. So Romans eight eighteen through 23, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now and not only they but ourselves also which had the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body and you, you know, think about the sufferings of this present time. I mean, you may be going through things right now that you feel like you're just not able to overcome, but the things that we're going through at this very moment in time are not deserving of any comparison with um, the, you know, the glory that he's going to apocalypto. I mean, it's just those things that he's going to reveal are going to, make everything else that we have suffered or you know felt like we can't overcome or whatever just seem like nothing absolutely nothing so um, again that word expectation that's used in that passage is that in intense anticipation yeah, that translates a whole lot better than for the sticking my neck out as far as I can to see the promise <laughs> yeah earnest expectation is more poetic <laughs> yeah, I like that though. That's that's um, picturesque. I mean, you can tell. I mean, that look that is something intense if you're really looking. <laughs> and the last passage here, Philippians one nineteen through twenty six. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Again, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death.
For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for all your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Like Paul, our earnest expectation and hope should not be um, honored of men, but for us to be upheld by him in the midst of temptations, contempt, afflictions, or whatever it is that we're going through. May we not be ashamed, but we, with absolute boldness, that we preach the gospel and always let Christ be uh, magnified in us. And that is my teaching. Do y'all have anything that you want to share? Or <clears throat> I think about sticking the neck out, and I think about just the that passionate pursuit to be in his presence and you look at Romans 8, 18, and it talks about the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Um, I think it's it, it's, uh, it's such a privilege and a blessing you think about when you just really get in that place of desperation. And, and, and your heart just goes so hard after him because you know if you don't see him, you're going to die. You know what I'm talking about. And then he reveals himself to us. And, and like you said, all the things that we've been troubled about and that have surrounded us that we worried about are just gonna pale in comparison. And yet we, we really have that privilege even today to, to, to really go after him like that and to pursue him that way. And he's so faithful to welcome us into his heart to be able to see him and and the revelation of who he is and and you know those times when it's like you might step into prayer and you're just in a bad place you know there's worry or whatever and then he manifests himself and all the things in this life just kind of fall away and i know we want to dwell there but it's available to us right even today <laughs> i would much rather dwell there than on the things that this life throws at us on a daily basis. I mean, it's just so, I mean, we need him so much. And I mean, I know we're all grateful for him in our lives because regardless of what we face, I mean, he's there. It's hard for us to see sometimes or feel his presence in that, but he's there. I think you get the award for the coolest, you used a lot of really cool words in these passages, like betwixt, and bloody flux, and um, weaver, yeah. <laughs> I still love the weaver. Weaver shuttle, swifter. <laughs> you get the award for the <laughs> the creative. I don't know who is. Um, I can't. Sh I think Tammy told us. I, I think that would be me. I'm supposed to be announcing next. for next week. Yeah, I think so. Ooh. You. All right, well, um, just, again, bless everybody and um, just
Just have a wonderful day in the Lord, and Monica Terrell will be teaching next Sunday.